Welcome investors to the Absolute Return Podcast, your source for stock market analysis, global macro musings, and hedge fund investment strategies. Your hosts, Julian Klamotko and Michael Kesslering, aim to bring you the knowledge and analysis you need to become a more intelligent and wealthier investor. This episode is brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Hey, welcome, folks, to the Absolute Return Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Klamachko. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Kesslering. And on today's show, we welcome special guest, Electromechanica Vehicles CEO Kevin Pavlov. Electromechanica is a Canadian designer and manufacturer of electric vehicles. The company's flagship vehicle is the single-seat electric vehicle called the Solo. On the podcast, Kevin discusses the story behind the unique three-wheel design of the Solo, how they plan to scale an electric vehicle company, why they use an asset light contract manufacturing model, the competitive environment in the EV space, and how Electromechanica stands out and more. So with no further ado, here's our discussion with Electromechanica Vehicles CEO, Kevin Pavlov. Hey, Kevin, welcome to the show. How are you today? How's it going, Julian? Nice to talk to you. Doing fantastic. Thank you. So you're the CEO of Electromechanica Vehicles, and electric vehicles have been all the rage. The company produces super unique products, which I really want to dive into today. Prior to getting into that, can you walk us through your background in the automotive industry and what you're up to prior to becoming the CEO of Electra Mechanica? Sure, sure. I uh, got about 30 years in automotive. Um, I did a stint with Ford. I was part of the uh, Visteon spinoff uh, ways back. Uh, you guys remember that? I did uh, a stint after that in uh venture capital world. So I was doing a bunch of uh, different entrepreneurial ventures. I had uh, several startups that got uh, uh, sold, great uh, exit strategy pieces. Um, one of them particularly was bought by Magna International. Um, I spent 10 years at Magna International. Uh, I was the president of electronics division. And then I moved into eCar, which was a uh, joint venture, arm's length joint venture with Frank Stronach and, and the company. So uh, that that whole exercise. We created several EVs uh, for the market, European, North American. Um, after about 10 years, we uh, moved forward into uh, the side of the business where we were doing uh, investments. So uh, Magna was getting uh, very well into uh, the world themselves of, of doing, we'll call them initial investments to fit the five-year business plan. So we wrote a nice strategy with that. Worked hand-in-hand with Swami Kitagori, who's now their CEO. Uh, Don Walker was the CEO at the time. It was great. Then I moved to uh, uh, another company called EcoFueling. I ran that. We uh, we built it up over a couple of years, and then we we had a really nice exit strategy on that one. We triggered it, and then uh, I moved to Karma Automotive. Uh, we're making electric vehicles at Karma. Um, the Karma situation. Uh, after uh, several months, we we stepped forward and decided, all right, um, let's go into a, a car company. So I took over uh, a COO position here, and now CEO. So. And I, the, I got electric vehicles. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of electric vehicles, there's been a number of new startups over the past decade or two. You mentioned Karma. There's others, you know, Tesla, Lucid, etc. I was wondering, how did Electromechanica come about and why did you join? So um, Electromechanica started out uh, about four or five years ago, and uh, they had a wonderful idea. And it was uh, try to bring uh, a purpose-built vehicle to market, an EV. That, uh, that solved a whole lot of urban mobility challenges. 
couple of different versions of the vehicle were made, um, and and they contained more and more content. Uh, but what happened was, is uh, just just in the last uh, couple of years, there was a big push where we said, "Hey, we're going to position this vehicle right between micro mobility and cars," and it was an unserved space. Uh, so we took uh, a vehicle classified as an electric motorcycle, and uh, we brought it as close as possible to uh, a full driving vehicle, a, a, a car. Uh, with all those attributes, blended the micromobility and the and the car attributes together uh, to really solve that urban mobility challenge. What's really happened, uh, been really flourishing, was the the last mile delivery, uh, micro parcel delivery. Um, that market has been been really really ramping up, and it just so happens that uh, you know we created a single passenger vehicle that has plenty of cargo in it. It's the ultimate for campus security. You know, there's always an individual security person driving around. Um, it's great for small parcel deliveries because it's fully enclosed. It's got heating, cooling, backup camera, all the safety features. So uh, what we're seeing now is a, a big trend in the commercial and fleet side, uh, strong interest because the whole car was based on a premise of, of what you do alone. And most people, and this is real facts, you can look them up, uh, there's about 120 million people in the U.S. that drive to work and back by themselves. There's about 20 million people that carpool. So we thought we'd look at the 120 million people, give them a chance to have a super efficient that drives in an HOV lane. It does full highway speeds. It's fully enclosed. It's just like, uh, just like driving a car, all the buttons, steering wheel, brake pedals, uh, very, very familiar uh, territory, but uh, more like getting into a Formula One race car and you sit in the center of it. You've got uh, a tremendous feel to the road. Uh, it's it's super stable. So uh, we thought, okay, well, this is, this is really nice. And we've got this nice cargo area and the cargo area with the hatch behind it gives you the... Uh, gives you the attributes. There's European attributes of going into the trunk or having the storage behind you. So we had to make sure you could put your tennis rackets or your gym bag or, uh, you know, four or five things of groceries in it. And uh, lo and behold, we were surprised to find out we could hold about 12 pizzas back there and four <laughs> two liter bottles of Coke. So, uh, you know, it, it, it became, uh, it, it's starting to become a, a real fit for a lot of different areas. Most recently, we have uh, a Mesa's, uh, Mesa City has bought a couple of our vehicles. They're using them for uh, parking enforcement and uh, also uh, campus uh, riding. So um, it's, it's, we're, we're more and more surprised every day where, where all these different uh, possibilities are showing up. And I, I kind of capture it with uh, one seat, three wheels, endless possibilities uh, because we just keep seeing them. So uh, hopefully I was answering your question on that. The very last part of your question was what brought me there? And, uh, you know, when I first stepped in, I saw the uniqueness of the vehicle. I also saw something else. And it's not just an EV. What this vehicle does is it gets rid of all the unused four-passenger elements. So when you're driving all alone, you usually have an oversized powertrain. When you're driving alone, there's three empty seats, maybe four or five, depending on what you're in. And when you're driving with your trunk, is usually empty. Sometimes you use a seat for your trunk. But really, the key here is when you heat and cool a vehicle, the space around a single passenger is small enough that you're quite comfortable in it. But when we turn on the heater or the air conditioning, we get a very, very quick response. And you don't use a lot of extra energy heating the space that's not used. So while we are sitting here with one quarter of the battery of a normal EV, and we get 100 miles, which is the same charge, and we get charge times that are even faster because we don't have a lot of battery, 
we actually don't need a lot of battery, which is kind of nice. So with those features in hand, we have convenience and all the, you know, outside charge point chargers, fast charge. We can, we can get in, you know, on the, on the level two chargers everywhere. We're actually registered with charge point and uh, certified on, on all the uh, external chargers. So it just became a super convenient item. I loved all the possibilities on it. And then we looked at that platform and I asked myself, what else could we do with this? So maybe we'll share a little of that later in the, uh, in the podcast. So I want more information about the Solo, which is your flagship electric vehicle, and you described it nicely, one seat, three wheels. And when people look at these, whether you know online or, or in the streets, it's a very unique vehicle. So a single seat electric vehicle, one passenger, and it looks more like you know those trikes you see, but as you indicated, it is fully enclosed. So really interesting proposition, but it's radically different than what you see out of the main electric vehicle companies, uh, Lucid, Tesla, they all kind of look like Audis or Mercedes-Benz, your offering is significantly different. And when it's a dramatically different product, people always are wondering, you know, what's the catch or, or what's different about it? So I was wondering, like, how does the Solo perform as a vehicle? I, I Honestly, it, it is, if you didn't know there was three wheels, you wouldn't be able to tell. It's uh, very stable. Like I said, we were 80 miles an hour, no problem on the freeway. We have uh, uh, very great lane handling. There's a unique little feature of the car. Is it shaped like a teardrop? The back is actually narrow, much narrower than the front. But when you're riding on the freeway and you get the wind buffeting, you don't get hit the same way with the wind because the side of the car isn't flat against the other vehicle pushing the wind on you. So that it's a it's a really dampened response, and you get pretty interesting. It, it's it's not doing what it did, you know. It doesn't shake the car around. What's really kind of neat is is the car is just just under six feet wide, and most freeways have a twelve foot wide lane. Most urban streets are around twelve feet. So if you don't like the person you're sitting next to, you can scoot over about five feet, and <laughs> and and you're okay. So uh, you know, like I said, the the pieces inside of the vehicle that you need are there. There's no question about that. Um, the mirrors, the visibility is fantastic. You can park them. I mean, we have a kind of a cost advantage. We can fit more of them on a 53-foot uh, trailer than, uh, you know, than, than a, most of the other large EVs. And, and honestly, with the other savings and the pieces that we have and the fact that we're less than $20,000, I mean, we're the lowest cost electric vehicle out there, I believe, right now. But uh, with that, you can actually use this as, as your, your mode of transport and really have the savings do the payoff. And I, I say that in terms of like the fleet customers and our commercial customers, they're looking at a balance between paying a, a part of their margin going to a delivery company and actually owning a vehicle. And right now, I believe uh, quite a few of them, we've, we've delivered to over 20 different uh, commercial customers. Um, the business case is being made every single time. Uh, they're, they're able to get the payback in a, in a short enough period and, uh, and truly start leveraging the, the attributes of the vehicle on however they want to have it as a rolling billboard because it looks quite unique and we wrap them for all of our customers uh, in, their, in you know, whatever native wrap we want. So it's, it's, it's got a lot of pluses and it really, uh, I think it really helps the consumer, the regular consumer, because you can park it almost anywhere. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you can park two of them in a parking spot. It's 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 kind of convenient. So if you use it for your daily driver, you can park it on the side of the garage and you know pull your pull your bigger vehicle out and take the family to the beach. Come back in, put the bigger vehicle in the garage, or vice versa, and, and really get benefits out of it. Uh, we're finding it more and more. We've been giving them to uh, uh, outside uh, entities, reporters, letting them drive it. They drive them around for a week, two weeks. Usually, it's a week, and then they ask for more, <laughs> and uh, and they come back and tell us, you know, what they've experienced, uh, and, and they write about them. So you can see a, a lot of different uh, a lot of different articles on it. But it's it seems to be fitting the bill quite nicely. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest growing alternative investment solution providers with a suite of institutional caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance. The Accelerate One Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF, symbol 1C, ONEC on the TSX is Canada's first alternatives portfolio solution, providing exposure to six alternative asset classes, 10 alternative strategies in one easy to use, one choice ETF that charges a management fee of just 0.2%. The Accelerate One Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF trades under the symbol 1C ONEC on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Another thing with regards to the design, I guess, that first came to mind from from my perspective was how how they would perform in collisions. Um, and then as well as as we are Canadians, how, how do these vehicles handle ice and snow? So we'll we'll take that in two steps. We, you know, the vehicle we had to have because it looks and feels and drives like a car, we had to make sure that it was going to be safe like a car. So we actually have front and rear crumple zones. Um, so the crush zones is how they're referred to in the cars. We have a triple beam. These are three tube metal beams inside of the doors. Uh, we have a, a roll hoop inside of the car. Um, we pass the, the roof crush tests without using the hoop, but the hoop is in there, uh, you know, in the event that there's something that goes beyond the numbers. Um, so uh, quite, quite well, uh, we, we've, you know, I, I don't want to say, hey, I hope no one ever gets in a crash, but uh, we've put uh, adequate, very adequate protection in it uh, in those events. And, and we have, uh, you know, internally tested to this and um, really impressive uh, performance uh, in, in those arenas. Second piece you were asking, uh, I think ice and snow. Let me start out with water. So we've done a, a number of water fording tests. This, this is where we go through a trough and there's 20 inches of water in it. And the goal is you can't have the, the bow wave, the wave of water, roll up the hood and uh, go through the windshield. So, I mean, we do 15 kph through through 15 and 20 inches of water. No problem. No, uh, no water intrusion, anything like that. The car doesn't float away. I mean, it's uh, it's 700 kilos, so it's it's not like a, a, you're riding a bathtub or anything. But uh, because I believe how we did the lower pan on the vehicle, um, it really, really gets uh, gets stuck to the ground well. So when we start looking at the snow, it's the same thing. And uh, we've got uh, uh, almost six inches of ground clearance, which is pretty good. It's pretty standard for a small car. Um, but we have a flat belly pan. So uh, when you're riding through the snow, if you're going through 10 inches of snow, it's a little bit like a snowboard, but you have the rudders as the front tires. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, 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 it performs well. Um, our next generations, we're adding more and more in for, uh, for handling. But, uh, but I will share one thing with you if you're interested. You know, part of this uh, part of this stability and, and uh, how well does the vehicle perform? We were invited to uh, head off on the E Fest. There's a Formula E race in Vancouver, and uh, we're instrumenting uh, 12 vehicles. 
And 12 of these vehicles will be the pre-race for the Formula E. It's called E-Fest. So uh, Pro-Am drivers in all of our cars are going to run, the, run the, the loop, the actual Formula E loop. And uh, so if there's a testament to stability and uh, I'll call it aggressive driving, uh, that this should show up, uh, this should show what we have. So, uh, you know, we've had to put a few other safety features in, five-point harnesses and things like that to make sure we're protecting the drivers. But uh, fundamentally, I think it's going to be really fun. That's June of this year up in, in Vancouver. Um, so not only will you get to see the road performance or if you see them delivering pizza or other food, you'll uh, you'll actually see them uh, in, in, a, in a more aggressive environment. So. Digging into the business model and how you guys make money and and profits in the future, Electromechanica says it has an asset light contract to manufacturing model. I was wondering, how does this work? What are the advantages, disadvantages? Sure, sure. Let me just step back a half a step. So we currently uh, have a contract manufacturing uh, out of China, and the vehicles are coming in through there. Our design we have 20 of our people sitting over there all the time. We're making sure that it follows all the quality requirements and the other pieces that come in. But when we capitalized that plant, we were leveraging out, outside of that plant, painting and other resources. So that's how we're doing it today. We started doing it over there, and then we were working the supply chain over there. When the, uh, when the tariffs and the other uh, logistics, I mean, logistics costs have almost, uh, they've surely doubled probably two and a half times. But uh, about a year ago, we started building a plant in North America, and we put the plant together. It's we'll be taking our uh, get our certificate of occupancy mid year, and then we'll be moving vehicles off the line by the end of the year because we're working in parallel on things. But the asset light model works like this. Again, we're not putting a hundred million dollar paint booth in. We have uh, around us a significant amount of uh, underutilized resources uh, with regard to paint. In the Arizona area, there's there's a lot of uh, other larger EV companies. They're putting in these big uh, paint areas. We've uh, been negotiating with some of them right now, and we've got one uh, small car company that's saying, "Yeah, we'll we'll be able to uh, run the quality standards to paint your vehicle." So we don't have to put the big capital in. Second piece is is internally we put the capital in around the battery and the driveline systems to make sure they're good. Uh, I mean, really, really well thought out, charged correctly, and and have the right quality measures there. So. A lot of it's assembly. Our parts and our tooled up. We have we have great North American supply chain, and and this vehicle that's coming out of Mesa, it's going to be a fully domestic product vehicle. So it'll be a USA domestic product. We're not importing kits or anything like that. We're literally sourcing everything out of the U.S. And then seventy five percent of the U.S. There's a couple pieces that come out of Mexico. A couple pieces come out of Canada. Hey, we don't want to forget our our, our boys in Canada. So <laughs> we uh, you know, we teamed up, call the right folks, and uh, and. We're, we're going to have a really nice uh, footprint. That vehicle will have a couple extra things in it um, that we're, we're going to surprise and delight our customers with, um, and we'll continue to grow on that model. I hope I answered your question. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate. Do you want to diversify your investment portfolio while benefiting the planet? The Accelerate Carbon Negative Bitcoin ETF symbol ABTC on the Toronto Stock Exchange, provides investors with exposure to Bitcoin while protecting the environment. Accelerate implements a global tree planting campaign to sequester carbon emissions and help fight climate change. Up to 10% of ABTC's 69 basis point management fee will be allocated to Accelerate's annual tree planting campaign. For each $1,000 invested in ABTC, an estimated one net ton of carbon dioxide is expected to be sequestered each year. 
buy Bitcoin, save the planet. Find out more at investabtc.com. Yeah, that was great. In terms of your, in your investor presentation, you do have a, a really nice slide kind of breaking down the unit economics between the solo and some of its uh, competitors in the EV space. And one one line item that I noticed was that there isn't a federal tax credit program for the solo, where some of your competitors do have those those tax incentives. Do you anticipate tax credits coming in the future, or or why there isn't um, a, a program in place currently for for your vehicles? So let let's uh, let me answer that in two parts. We do get state tax credits uh, across different states. The second piece is the current administration actually has tax credits built into the Build Back Better program. And I think what they're doing is they're starting to move some of the elements inside of that into other vehicles so that uh, the government could put it through. Currently, uh, that, that's written and hasn't been passed yet, is a, a $7,500 uh, tax credit for our vehicle, three-wheeled electric vehicles. We've been asking to get on par, and it's possible that we can be put on par with cars. And the one thing that's stopping us is there's a limit because they were a limit of 40 kilowatt hours of battery. So a car, electric vehicle, in, when they wrote the legislation, had 40 kilowatt hours of battery in it. Well, they were trying to keep the hybrids out, right? Most hybrids don't have 40 kilowatt hours. They said, well, geez, you know, I'm, I'm 17 and a half kilowatt hours, but I'm a full EV and I'm super efficient. Could you put us on par? And if we did get put on par, uh, that's a $12,000 federal vehicle credit. So I got to $18,500 vehicle with $12,000 credit. Okay, let's say it doesn't happen. I have an $18,500 vehicle, and if it passes, there's a $7,500 vehicle credit. Still uh, a pretty good uh, incentive, uh, even for uh, for our classification. I, mean, I hope it's going through. <laughs> crossing my fingers, uh, and, and I, I, you know, I've been been working with uh, the Governor Ducey, Senator Simas, Senator Kelly. Uh, it's we're working on hard to to. Uh, to move this forward, and there's a lot of a lot of people that understand how it was written before. So, yeah, I've got my fingers crossed. No doubt that would dramatically change the economics for customers, making the product even more attractive. Now, switching gears, we have seen a number of startup and new electric vehicle companies going public recently, and one common thread that it seems to be happening is that number one, it is extremely capital intensive, and they generally underestimate the costs. And then number two, you know, production problems, ramping up slower than expected, things of that nature. How do you mitigate this risk for investors? And, and how do you deal with those uncertainties? Well, I, that's a, I would like to say that our plan right now on how we're doing our import uh, and and the elements that we're working on, the tax credits, the uh, uh, the logistics savings, things like that. There's some really primary pieces to 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 help there. But when we talk about our own plant, the plant in in the U.S. here in Mesa, um, we really have been focusing on trying to get uh, these these all of our costs that we were putting into the plant were budgeted and and really truly tightly held. The way we're building these cars, we're, we built them on a we brought a flex line in for the conveyance. Part of the flex line will allow us to build a couple of platforms. We'll talk about those later. Um, But part of that really, really uh, makes us flexible and keeps our costs down. The second piece is, I I tell you, I can't say enough to Arizona. Arizona has offered just some fantastic help for us. And I'll tell you, as of today, we started our production in October. 
we're delivering vehicles. And, and at this point, uh, with those vehicle deliveries, uh, you know, we still have, um, you know, 200 million, you know, as our last, uh, as of our last public announcement, it was 227 million uh, in the bank. Uh, we have no debt. And uh, we are focusing on making sure that these vehicles hit the ground on target and at cost. So I'm not announcing any price changes right now. Everything is, uh, everything is still on track. And that really, I think the hardest piece is, or the nicest piece for us is, we're brand new. We don't have any legacy systems. We're able to jump ahead one lily pad to the more efficient, uh, world-class manufacturing tactics. We don't have to change anything. We just put the new stuff in. And as we're deploying the new things, they're already geared for the kind of cost savings that you have. So really, we watch the overhead. You know, really, we're watching the ERD as we go forward. Everybody has launch issues. Hopefully, we'll have a flawless launch in December. I'll cheer it up then. You'll, you'll listen for me, you know. Uh, but uh, those kind of things uh, are, are stuff that you just normally run into. And if you have all the right systems in place, you can manage it really well. Uh, if you're really new and you forget some of the big things, it gets really tough. We've, we've implemented SAP uh, S4 HANA. We're, we went through wave one. Wave two is going to carry all of our inventory and material handling. So it's a full ERP and MRP system, fully integrated in. It's globally connected because we have our, our this is going to be global platforms that are coming out next. Um, so we're connecting with China right now. We're, we're reaching out to make sure that we all of our suppliers and our supply chains hook into it nicely so we can monitor with a really, really fast response to things that are happening and things that are changing. We're tied into all the raw material indices. So as our, when we write our contracts, we're making sure we have our critical raw materials. So if they change, we have timelines on them. But keeping your eye on those kind of elements, really the, the basic blocking and tackling, I think is the, the strategy we've been deploying. And I've got a great board of directors that are, are constantly uh, helping us and watching. We've got auto folks. We've got uh, securities attorneys. We've got great finance people that have seen this story before and they help us through uh, help us through by opening doors. And great, great suggestions on on how to manage. I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier in in giving us a, back, a little brief overview of your background. Was you mentioned that you had a stint in VC? And I was wondering what what were some of the learnings that you had in the VC world and investing that you felt were quite helpful as an operator? Uh, I, I will tell you right now, it's all about the business business case and making it foundational. I mean, some of the things I brought along with me were, if you can't make a case that has the positive returns that you're expecting over the time periods that your investor base is expecting, you're probably not going to make it. And I will say this very confidently. My job is to make sure when an investor puts their money in our company, that they're supposed to make more money than if they put their, their money somewhere else. So from a relative standpoint, uh, that's the goal all the time, right? Make sure the investors are going to get a better return here than if they put their dollars somewhere else. And that's the, that's the driving factor. I, I can give you 100 examples of uh, you know, everything from the folks at Kleiner Perkins, uh, Sale Venture Partners, uh, all these guys. But it always boiled down to make sure your product's aligned. Make sure that your investments are going in the right place and understand what your return looks like. If you really don't have a grip on that, that dog probably doesn't hunt. So makes a lot of sense. So there's this 1950s style throwback vehicle, the Roadster. Tell us about that oh, yeah. concept. It's, it's, it's really neat. So um, we, uh, Electromechanica, purchased a company called Intermechanica. 
Intermechanica has been building gasoline-powered uh, roadsters. They're a, uh, it's a 1959 356 style vehicle. It's uh, it's it's retro. It's it's right to uh, right to the details, even the color matching and uh, and interiors. And what we've done is we've taken the uh, the gasoline engine business, we've converted the vehicle and try to hold as true as possible uh, and created an electric vehicle out of it so that you get all the same wonderful driving experience um, with the same feel of the road, uh, but you get the upgraded uh, fanciness of Bluetooth. The I mean, I mean we have XM in the vehicle, uh, you know, safety systems that really, really weren't there uh, prior. Um, we're able to uh, shoehorn them in and, and hide them underneath the hide them underneath the body panels so that you get the, a really really good experience. So that that vehicle, you know, that'll our target is to bring it out in twenty three. We probably have a few of them rolling around. You may have seen them uh, <laughs> before. Um, if you haven't, just keep your eyes peeled. But uh, yeah, that's that's going to be really fun. And there's one right on the heels of that one, the Tofino, uh, which is actually a beach in uh, in Vancouver, but. Yeah. Uh, uh, that vehicle will be a, a little more uh, adrenaline-fueled. <laughs> Still on electricity, but that one will probably uh, give you a great adrenaline injection. So, And the Roadster is a cool concept because you get that vintage styling without the carburetor blowing up and the oil leaking everywhere. So That's, that's right. <laughs> and so it's super cool to see and very differentiated. And speaking of differentiation, I was wondering, you know, when you look at the marketplace, what do you think of your competitors specifically? What do you think of a company like Tesla? You know, there's a there's what I call the herd model. There's a lot of folks bringing a new technology, EVs, into the space. GM's announcements are out there. Tesla's, you know, set the stage. They're all electric. You hear Volkswagen. You hear a lot of folks that are going going full electric. Yes, there's government incentives. There's a migration toward this. There's cities that are, are declaring, you know, after 2035, uh, no more gasoline sale vehicles. There's a, a bunch of other things that are helping us along. But what I've seen in the past was when you wanted to get technologies refined and affordable, you have multiple platforms out there. So I look at it always as those are all uh, moving the technology forward, getting it smaller, lighter, less expensive. Same thing with the infrastructure, because with more of those vehicles out there, there's more need for infrastructure, and therefore, uh, you know, folks can use them better. I mean, lots of gas station was a uh, uh, was a charging station. Uh, you know, the, the people would worry a lot less uh, about uh, range and whatnot. I'm not so worried about them because uh, they're not in our competitive space. You know, like I said, we're 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 really trying to focus on everything you do alone, driving solo. What what are you doing? What else do you need? Even if you drive solo and you want to bring uh, bring other things with you, we've got a couple of answers that are about to come out. Um, just in case you uh, you want to drive solo and bring something big, <laughs> so we're we're we've got something really cool on the books. Just uh, wait for it. You'll hear the announcements. But uh, you know, the whole idea in our space is, I think there'll be other competitors sizing themselves and creating the efficiencies that we're creating because it's the right answer. And I'm not worried about competition. If there's no competition, there's no market. But if, if the folks see that this niche is uh, really proliferating correctly and the utility is there, I, I have a feeling that uh, there'll be a bunch more folks coming in, and which is okay. It's not, not bad for the space. Yeah, it is an exciting space. And say a customer wants to go and try a solo, where can they go and do that? 
So we've got uh, a number of uh, kiosks or, or, or points of information that you can go to. Is, I think we're at 25 or something like that. Um, around five states right now. We're starting on the West Coast. We started out Southern California, LA, primary urban delivery side of things. You know, urban commuters solve those problems. But we're going up California and we're heading east. Um, we're moving uh, pretty quickly, actually. Um, sales and reservations are are building toward you know the middle of the uh, United States and heading heading toward the east side. So um, you can go to our website, number one, electromechanica.com. You can see where our kiosks are. They're usually in uh, malls, uh, you know, really nice centrally located areas. So you can go down and see the car, touch the car, get in the car. Those uh, kiosks also schedule test drives. So um, there are Saturday, Sunday events that you can come down, put your name on the list, and, and we'll allow you to go drive around, nice lead follow thing, get a feel for the car. Um, and then, you know, it's really a, a purchase online right now. Um, we help you through that. We help you through picking the right insurance. Each state can classify the vehicle differently. It's, it's kind of interesting. We're a three-wheel electric vehicle that can be termed as a trike. Hmm. It can be termed as a three-wheel motorcycle. It can be termed as an EV, a uh, small EV. So um, each state has uh, uh, different, different ways of handling those. So um, we try to help our customers through that. And we also train them on how to use the vehicle in the best possible way if you're looking for really efficient pieces. And uh, uh, honestly, they're, they're really fun to drive. Guys, I can, I can say anything that I, I want, but I will tell you, when you get out of the vehicle, you will remember how that vehicle made you feel. Comfortable, mm -hmm. safe, fun. I would say go take a test drive. It's worth, worth every second just to try one. Well, there you have it. Uh, Electromechanica is a public company trading on the NASDAQ, ticker symbol S-O-L-O, Solo, like your main Solo. product. So wish you the best of luck, and perhaps I'll be uh, driving on soon. We'll see here. Yeah, everybody, drive solo. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fun. All right, thanks, Kevin. Wish you the best of luck. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Julian. Have a great day. All right, take care. Bye, everybody. All righty, bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Absolute Return Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. The views expressed in this podcast are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the views of Accelerate. No aspect of this podcast constitutes investment, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed in this podcast should not be viewed as a recommendation or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment strategies. The information and opinions in this podcast are based on current market conditions and may fluctuate and change in the future. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made on behalf of Accelerate. As to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained this podcast. Accelerate does not accept any liability for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person as a result of relying on all or any part of this podcast, and any liability is expressly disclaimed.